Hey there! The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app, and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hello, and yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Sue DeCaro, Aaron Taylor, Darren Tipton, and Sam Silverstein. And of course, you can check out those brilliant individuals and get all the special freebies from all of our cast members on our website at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and learn all about them, or if you want to reach out and contact them. This week, we're talking about prosperity versus scarcity. And the quote that's going to kick it off here is the following quote. It's your obligation to share whatever you can spare instantly and with no expectations. Once the gift leaves your hand, it was never yours to begin with. That quote is from the book Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. And I know personally, I have not always gotten that concept in my life, that I was more sometimes coming from the scarcity of what's in it for me, and it never felt good. And you know, so what I ask is, to what degree have we all lived this both sides, the scarcity and the prosperity, and and how do we recognize when we're in that place of scarcity? For me, I know I'm recognizing it when I start asking myself, what will this do for me versus hey, this sounds like a great experience or an opportunity to give or to serve or to just be present. Years ago, Sam and I went to an event and I kept calling the person going, well, what are we going to get out of this? Because there was really no description of the event. What are we going to get out of this? What are we going to get? And they're like, just come and experience it. And I know I was annoying them because I was in the wrong mindset. And I noticed that when I'm just there to be present, to be to serve, there's such a feeling of gratitude when you leave for I'm so glad I dove into this experience. Sam, what about you? Have you had experiences where you notice scarcity and then you caught yourself and you redirect it towards prosperity? I've experienced that all the time. And it's interesting because last year, my word for the year was prosperity. The idea of abundance was my word, actually. And so the question was, am I coming from abundance or am I coming from scarcity? Am I looking to give or am I looking to get? And I would say that for me, these last few years, there's been a real transformation. I think that subconsciously I was looking to get. And when I started thinking about abundance every day, then what happened was my mindset changed. And all of a sudden I'm looking for ways to give. I'm looking for ways to make a difference. I'm looking for ways to contribute. And and things started to change. And it it really boils down to 
what you believe. Do you believe you're supposed to focus on what it is that you get, or do you believe you're supposed to focus on what it is you give? And that that word of scarcity versus prosperity, that language, those choices are so powerful because scarcity means we believe there's only a limited so much, so I have to get my piece. So what's in it for me, right? That's what gets us there, that what am I going to get versus prosperity, which allows us to think there's so much out in the world. Why am I concerned about what I'm going to get? Why don't I just give? Those The language alone is huge. And I think often we don't realize we're in scarcity because we don't always put together me with scarcity, right? So if I'm in a me mode, what am I going to get? I don't think, oh, I'm not scarcity. I'm just focusing on what I'm going to get, which means you're in scarcity, even though you don't catch it. It's a weird phase we get into where we're not able to recognize it. I think we live in a society that really focuses on scarcity. It focuses on what am I going to get as opposed to what am I going to give? And I, I think many of us, me included, come from a conditioning standpoint of, you know, maybe our family life was about what we're going to get from this experience, from this work we're doing, from dedicating ourselves to, you know, X or Y or Z. And so that conditioning is really when when you start to look at it and become more aware of who you are and what you're doing in this world, you know, it's mind over matter, so to speak. And I find myself really moving from a place of service from my heart as opposed to my head. Because when it comes from my head, it feels as if, you know, I'm doing something that may benefit me and thinking, you know, very clearly about it, but maybe more from, you know, a heavy thought process of, you know, where will this go? And so I find when I move from my heart, from a place of service, I'm looking to get an opportunity and share an opportunity, which is something that I've been taught by Bryant McGill, that if an opportunity arises and I can share it, the more people I can share it with, the better I feel and the more of service I am. And I'm coming from a place of abundance. And what goes around comes around. So it's such a great feeling to serve from the heart and contribute to this world and to others in such a helpful way if you look at it from that standpoint and move away from the conditioning that we're living in in this you know great big world of ours. I love how you said the mind to the heart because I think a lot of us can get caught up in doing service for logical reasons. And those logical things can be anything from religion to it gives me this feeling of self-satisfaction, which is still logic versus serving for others. And, I think, you know, I know people that will say, well, you know, uh, acts of good will help me down the road, that kind of a concept, which means they're almost doing service like homework, mm-hmm. like an assignment to get a better grade in life versus figuring out the heart. So how do you help that? For How do we help people recognize where isn't the right place for me to serve that fits my heart versus looking for an assignment to fill so I can say I'm serving? How do you find that place in your heart that leads you to the right form of service? One of the first things that I would say is you have to check in with your heart. You know, I think it's so easy for us to get kind of stuck in our heads especially when we're doing our work, you know, day by day, we have a task list, we have people we need to speak to, things that we have to get accomplished. But that keeps us, if we're not careful, we can get stuck in our head with those tasks. And I think it's very important to drop into our heart space 
on a regular basis, daily, uh, hourly, by the minute maybe if we have to at certain times to really make sure that what we're doing is not only serving our mind or our brain or our logic and our head, but also serving our hearts that it actually feels right. Because when we don't check in with our heart, we can be checking off task after task on the list. And then we could be, if you imagine we're a train on on the track, we can kind of start to veer off the track and not even realize it until we're so far off, we've just derailed completely. But if we're constantly checking in with our hearts and saying, does this feel right? Do I feel like I'm serving? Do I get energy from it? Do I feel like I'm contributing? That is what keeps us pointing in the right direction. When I love those questions, because we can all use those. Can, so let's go. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you were saying those again. Does this feel right? What were the other questions? Does it excite me? Does it bring me energy? Do I feel like I'm contributing and making a difference in the world? That's awesome. I mean, that's something we can all ask ourselves to help ourselves get there. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt. It sounded like, Darren, you were about to jump in there. I love what Aaron said. In fact, one of the things I wrote down was, what is this feed, my ego or my heart? So mm-hmm. there's so many things that we do for good intentions, some of which you know does feed the ego. But staying in that heart zone is, to me, the challenge. And the question I always think is, what do I value? Do I value getting ahead? Do I value sharing the journey with those around me? And I think going back to your original question, there's a sense of interconnectedness that happens when we do, as we've been talking about, kind of operating from this heart zone. There's a sense of interconnectedness to people, to a sense that we're not in this journey alone, that no one's meant to walk the journey alone. And perspective can be shifted very quickly, as Aaron was saying, just asking simple things as we have opportunities. To me, the, the core, what it comes down to is what do you believe? Do you believe that you're supposed to hold on to everything that you get mm-hmm. or do you believe that you're supposed to give it freely to other people? And until we understand what we truly believe, we're going to we're going to make decisions that are not going to be consistent from one day to the next. And when we have clarity around what we believe, then we make consistent decisions based on what it is that we believe. I think we're off track. I don't think it's prosperity versus scarcity. Prosperity deals with advance or gain. Scarcity is a lack of. Abundance is a great plenty and overflowing. I think the opposite of scarcity is abundance. And that's what was kind of messing with my head early in the conversation. I think that it's through abundance that you can create prosperity. I think that people that live with scarcity are trying to hold on to everything. People that live with abundance are looking for ways to give, to make a difference, to to take the resources that they have, whether they that's in the form of money, time, influence, and take those resources and put them in other people's hand and allow them to have those resources. And so to me, it's abundance that, that is the focal point, and it's looking to share that abundance. I definitely agree with you. I think abundance creates a prosperity and creates a different way, a different perspective of how we look at this. And each person looks at abundance differently or prosperity differently. We're all coming from a different lens and, you know, our passion and our values are completely different. As you were, you know, talking about abundance and prosperity and how, you know, one leads to the other and where our resources go in terms of putting things in other people's hands, what I also see is where we hang out, so to speak. So, 
it's not only, I think, where we put our resources, but what's our tribe look like? Who are mm-hmm. the people that we connect with? Are they people who live in scarcity and fear? Or are they people who live in abundance and looking at prosperity from that, from the, the work that they do, the services that they offer? And I think it kind of brings me to the idea that I've read about in terms of neighborhoods. You know, are we living in a neighborhood where that world is full of scarcity? For myself, I live in a community, a tribe, and I'm not talking about my my local community. I'm talking about worldwide community mm-hmm. of people who are really dedicated to abundance, the abundance mindset, who drop from their head to their heart during the course of the day, maybe even put their hand on their heart to really stay connected with their own heart as well as people who are living in that same type of mindset from that heart space all over the world. So I really think we're affected by our tribe, by the people we connect with, you know, are communicating with on a regular basis. Yeah, what you allow in your space, you condone. And so if you allow people to say things, then you're supporting what they're saying. If you allow people to act a certain way, then you're supporting the way that they act. And if you believe in... If you believe in something, then you would naturally want to be in a group of people that that are acting the same way because then it's a very positive and productive environment. So how do you figure out, or is there not a place to figure out two things? One, did you give so much of yourself that you lose yourself, that it becomes a burden, that you are now crashing, you are burning out? Or two, that balance of there's so much abundance out there that I want to give. Is there a possibility of you're giving away stuff that you shouldn't be giving away, that you should have boundaries around? And yes, to give is wonderful, but there should be a boundary marker there. I've worked in Africa for 20 years and we work in villages. And of course, the need is so great there. There have been times that I've overextended what I was willing to share or do, or even the organization was willing to share or do. And there is such a thing as healthy boundaries in giving and in service. I like the quote going back to it, whatever you can spare. I have two ways of looking at it. Yeah, there is a bit that after I spend, I have some left over and I'm willing to assist if if it's time or if it's money or resources. But then there's a different school of thought that is as a part of the things that I spend, part of my spend, not the leftover but the, the part of what I budget goes to helping others. And that's a, a mindset shift also to thinking that part of my responsibility as a citizen of the world, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with my brothers and sisters wherever, is that I'm going to give back. And that's a part of my not extra or leftover, but part of what I do. The whole spare concept lit me up there. I didn't even think of that when we read the quote, but when you brought it back, I'm like, that is brilliant. We, we tend to live from what's left over. Well, I paid all my bills. I've got $5 left over versus taking the quote and maybe even challenging it a little bit. Make that giving, this prosperity versus scarcity. In your own life, set aside that as part of your expense every month and still have the spare. And, and set aside the expense of time too, right? If, so if you're going to give time or energy, how much energy do I have for this? Because I don't know about the rest of you. There are times where I feel guilty because I'm not serving enough 
And then someone will say to me, are you crazy? You're traveling all over the world sharing that message. That's a form of service. And I think, oh, but it's not the service of non, I'm not over working with this nonprofit or doing that. And we get caught up in this concept of what it means to serve. Anybody else ever feel guilty that way and thinking, well, I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough there. And, and how do you kick yourself back and go, hey, cool. You're, you're doing what you can with the energy you have. And that's awesome in and of itself. I would love to comment on that, but before I do that, I want to make the other point before it escapes my brain. I was thinking about a plant, and I was thinking about how if you want to create a new plant, I mean, this isn't the case with every species species of plant, but if you want to create a new plant from that original plant, you take a cutting off of it, and then you put that either in water or dirt so that that little cutting can grow roots and become its own plant. If, on the other hand, you take the the original plant and you take a shovel and hack away some of the roots so that you're taking like a section of the whole plant and you give that away and then you give another section away and you give another section away, eventually you'll have no original plant left. So if we think of ourselves as a plant, do we want to give away the core root of who we are mm-hmm. or do we want to give away some of the beauty that's on the outer edges? Maybe that's not the best way to describe it, but I'm trying to think of something that relates to kind of like the leaves and the branches of the plant. We want to give away that stuff that can be regenerated. If we give away our core selves in the act of service, then we will grind ourselves down to nothing and we'll eventually have nothing left to give. And that's why a lot of times a a not-for-profit will protect the corpus, but uh, take the interest or the earnings and invest those in the people or the community that they're serving because that way Mm -hmm. they can continue to serve long-term. Well, it's also energetic too. And I think, you know, you bring up a great point, Aaron, about, you know, regenerative because we have to re-energize and, and fill our own buckets to continue to service on a daily basis and whatever that looks like personally for us. So, you know, the guilt can come in and all the other things can come in about, you know, I should be doing more. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But I think what's really important too is as we continue to service, you know, worldwide and whatever we're doing, that we fill our own buckets first so that we do have the energy each and every day to do what we propose to do and the, and the you know missions and passions that we have. Yeah, I, I read a book recently that was talking about it's, the great work of your life was the book. And it, it's look at all these people who were geniuses in their line of work, artists and writers and others, and they went all out on the work, all out. But they also did what was necessary to put themselves in a mindset in a place of vibrancy to let them go all out. So it didn't mean they went all out as in I work 24 hours a day. It meant that when I work those eight hours, it's all out. It's, it's insanity as far as I am full concentration and focus, but I'm doing something for six hours a day that allows me to do those eight hours, that allows me to be that present person at that time. And I think that becomes really important for us to ask ourselves when you're when you're thinking, hey, I want to give, I want to give from a place of abundance, make sure that you're at a place of abundance, like that you have the health and vibrancy to give. And you can't take care of someone else if you don't take care of yourself. I hate to look at it from the oxygen, you know, on the plane. I prefer to look at it as a car that's running out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I want to go back to the scarcity and abundance thing, because I think, 
you know, I think we're missing the connection with prosperity. To me, when I think of scarcity, I think it's me focused. It's all about me and it's about my prosperity. When it's abundance, it's you focused. And if I live through abundance and I'm focused on you, then I can give and help you achieve prosperity. And in doing so, I'm also going to achieve prosperity. What, so for the solopreneur out there there or the person who owns their own business and they're sitting there going, how do I balance this in a way that's integrated without feeling like I'm stretching myself too far or giving away, you know, the old cliche, giving away the bank kind of concept. Is there a way that they can help people who are sitting out there going, hey, what I do for a living is how I serve. It's what I love to do. It's where my passion is. It's where my heart is. Where's that fine line of giving away what is of value and I I need for survival? I would encourage those solopreneurs out there to not remain solopreneurs, meaning find a tribe, find a community. This is something that Sue and I have built together in our work. And we have grown a community of people who are doing important work in the world and we're all growing together and helping each other. And so if someone is having, you know, a struggle with value, like we've been talking about, they, they just want to serve and they just want to do good work in the world. And so they don't, they might not even be comfortable charging for their services, but yet their services are highly valuable. So we'll help that person step into the value of what it is they offer and who they are so that they can be comfortable. You know, they can learn how to be comfortable charging their value or if someone needs, you know, doesn't have experience with website building or, you know, whatever it is as a solopreneur, you have to wear a hundred different hats and we aren't all born experts in those hundred different areas. And so it's really important, I believe, as a a solo entrepreneur to really build your community so that you can give and share and take. Give an opportunity, get an opportunity. Maybe you know how to build websites. Maybe the other person knows how to do email campaigns. So you guys work together and you help each other out and fill in those gaps of where your experience isn't as high as the other person. And that's a way you can kind of continue to grow, not just yourself, but in the community that you're a part of, and that you don't have to wear yourself down trying to reinvent the wheel and trying to do things that you may not have a lot of experience in. I think aside from community, another thing that I would recommend to a solo entrepreneur is to really spend time creating those boundaries. Because it can get overwhelming from day to day when you're involved in an abundance, you know, you're, you're coming from an abundance mindset and you're a giver naturally and that just feels right to you, that you can get caught up. I know I have fallen into this, uh, I guess I would call it a pitfall of someone needing me and just always being available. And it takes a lot of energy to work in that type of realm. So taking that space, that quiet time to really reflect on what your values are in respect to service. How do you want it to look? What kind of energy do you have to give, not at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day? And what that looks like to you, whether it's financial, you know, energetic, or what have you. But taking that 
space, that time and space to really carve out, to tap inward into what those boundaries look like and create them for yourself. I love that. I know that we've probably all fallen into situations where we've helped somebody and then they cling on, they attach. And because we are people that believe in abundance, there's a guilt that comes in there of how do I detach this or not fully detach, but create this boundary that that allows this person to not realize I'm not their personal concierge for this situation. Um, <laughs> how do How do you do that? You know, it's funny, all of the things that we're talking about here and all of the different topics and different points that we're making, it reminds me that we're talking about everyday mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And really, the answer to most of the questions that we've discussed is becoming more mindful, being mindful about the choices that you make, the way you spend your time, the things you're focusing on, the people you're connecting with, who you're putting, who you're allowing in your circle how you're thinking about yourself and valuing yourself. It's all about increasing our mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to imagine a situation where, you know, someone reached out from to me for help and I helped them and then suddenly I find that they're kind of clinging on to me like their oxygen supply, I would hope that I would increase my mindfulness around that aspect or that issue because I would start to feel, again, I would check in with my heart, I would start to feel that draining kind of vampirish energy sucking away at me. So it reminds me of that quote, that saying, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. So I could continue to have phone calls and meetings with this person and keep giving them and giving them and giving them answers to their issues or I could spend time with them and teach them how to find their own answers so that they can stand on their own. And there's the definition of abundance, right? Because now you give them the ability to be abundant in their own life yes. because you free them, right? And and I love the analogy that you that was used earlier in the show about the plants because it's it's very similar concept, right? That if let's say you were a plant and obviously none of us know what it's like to be a plant, but let's <laughs> say you were a plant and you had seeds flying around and they landed and you watched all these other seeds, all these other plants grow, right? It's very similar to parenting, except you don't think of plants as parenting the others in the field, <laughs> but you see these grow and there's such a higher sense of wow in life when all the other plants are growing from something you just simply started to give away. It takes it to a whole nother place. It's Sam, it's what you said about abundance being, it's about the others, it's about the you, not as about the I. It's like, wow, look at all that out there. That sense of that feels awesome. That just a little sharing can lead to so much. And the four of you have helped this conversation really take place today by being fully abundant and just giving fully. And I want to thank you for that. What are books that you have read that have helped you in this journey? Her name is Dr. Shafali, and she has written a series of three books. They're all parenting books, but, you know, when I read them, I immediately, in the first reading, realized that her teachings can apply. It's far broader than parenting. It applies to every single aspect of life. And so the three books that that she has written that I think every person on the planet should read, whether they're a parent or not. Mm -hmm. The first one is called The Conscious Parent. That's pretty easy. The second one is called Out of Control. 
And the third and most recent one is called The Awakened Family. And, you know, she presents so many teachings in there that really touch on how do you be a a strong, centered, mindful, conscious person in this world and in all the relationships that you have in your life, whether it's your relationship with your children or your parents or your friend, your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers. I mean, it applies everywhere. Being mentored by her and learning from her has completely changed my life as a parent and a professional and just a person in general. And I have to agree with you, Erin, having read all the same books and been very involved in her teachings that she is really teaching how to be a conscious human being and live a conscious life. And what could create more abundance than than being conscious of ourselves, our inner peace, the world around us? You know, I think I think it's a huge opportunity for learning and growing, studying her materials. I actually am reading a book right now. It's called Un unbowed and it's Wangari Maratai and she's a Nobel Peace Prize winner just a person who had great boundaries with great sacrifice for her she's from Kenya and perspective it's just something that's right on my tip of my tongue right now because it's right beside my bed here awesome and for all the books we're sharing will be in the show notes for all of our listeners Sam is there a book for you there's a lot of great books out there that teach Mm -hmm. a lot of great things and and set some examples. When I think about abundance and scarcity and, and even prosperity and, and my book is the Torah, you know, that's, that's where for me, I know that I can turn and I can learn about all of this. And so for Mm -hmm. me, that's my source. Awesome. And I want to thank each of you for being on today's show. Thank you for having us. It's been wonderful. Thank you. So for those listening, you've been listening to Sue, Aaron, Darren, and Sam. You can find all of them at everydaymindfulnessshow.com, where you can also find the show notes, which will have links to each of them. And you'll find freebies from our cast on there also. And until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.